0: section fifteen of a captivity of nearly three years among the savages of nootka sound by john r jewett this librivox recording is in the public domain on the twentieth of february we returned to our summer quarters at nootka but on my part with far different sensations than the last spring being now almost in despair of any vessel arriving to release us or our being permitted to depart if there should soon after our return as preparatory to the whaling season maquina ordered me to make a good number of harpoons for himself and his chiefs several of which i had completed with some lances when on the sixteenth of march i was taken very ill with a violent colic caused i presume from having suffered so much from the cold in going without proper clothing for a number of hours i was in great pain and expected to die and on its leaving me i was so weak as scarcely to be able to stand while i had nothing comforting to take nor anything to drink but cold water on the following day a slave belonging to maquina died and was immediately as is their custom in such cases tossed unceremoniously out of doors from whence he was taken by some others and thrown into the water the treatment of this poor creature made a melancholy impression upon my mind as i could not but think that such probably would be my fate should i die among these heathens and so far from receiving a decent burial that i should not even be allowed the common privilege of having a little earth thrown over my remains the feebleness in which the violent attack of my disorder had left me the dejection i felt at the almost hopelessness of my situation and the want of warm clothing and proper nursing though my indian wife as far as she knew how was always ready even solicitous to do everything for me she could still kept me very much indisposed which maquina perceiving he finally told me that if i did not like living with my wife and that was the cause of my being so sad i might part with her this proposal i readily accepted and the next day Maquina sent her back to her father on parting with me she discovered much emotion begging me that i would suffer her to remain till i had recovered as there was no one who would take so good care of me as herself but when i told her she must go for that i did not think i should ever get well which in truth i but little expected and that her father would take good care of her and treat her much more kindly than Maquina, she took an affectionate leave telling me that she hoped i should soon get better and left her two slaves to take care of me though i rejoiced at her departure i was greatly affected with the simple expressions of her regard for me and could not but feel strongly interested for this poor girl who in all her conduct towards me had discovered so much mildness and attention to my wishes and had it not been that i considered her as an almost insuperable obstacle to my being permitted to leave the country i should no doubt have felt the deprivation of her society a real loss after her departure i requested maquina that as i had parted with my wife he would permit me to resume my european dress as otherwise from not having been accustomed to dress like them i should certainly die to this he consented and i once more became comfortably clad change of clothing but more than all the hopes which i now began to indulge that in the course of the summer i should be able to escape in a short time restored me to health so far that i could again go to work in making harpoons for maquina who probably fearing that he should have to part with me determined to provide himself with a good stock i shall not however long detain the reader with a detail of occurrences that intervened between this period and that of my escape which from that dull uniformity that marks the savage life would be in a measure but a repetition nor dwell upon that mental torture i endured from a constant conflict of hope and fear when the former almost wearied out with repeated disappointment offered to our sinking hearts no prospect of release but death to which we were constantly exposed from the brutal ignorance and savage disposition of the common people who in the various councils that were held this season to determine what to do with us in case of the arrival of a ship were almost always for putting us to death expecting by that means to conceal the murder of our crew and to throw the blame of it on some other tribe these barbarous sentiments were however universally opposed by maquina and his chiefs who would not consent to our being injured but as some of their customs and traits of national character which i think deserving of notice have not been mentioned i shall proceed to give an account of them the office of king or chief is with these people hereditary and descends to the eldest son or in failure of male issue to the elder brother who in the regal line is considered as the second person in the kingdom at feasts as i have observed the king is always placed in the highest or seat of honor and the chiefs according to their respective ranks which appear in general to be determined by their affinity to the royal family they are also designated by the embellishments of their mantles or kutsacks the king or head tyee is their leader in war in the management of which he is perfectly absolute he is also president of their councils which are almost always regulated by his opinion but he has no kind of power over the property of his subjects nor can he require them to contribute to his wants being in this respect no more privileged than any other person he has in common with his chiefs the right to holding slaves which is not enjoyed by private individuals a regulation probably arising from their having been originally captives taken in battle the spoils of war being understood as appertaining to the king who receives and apportions them among his several chiefs and warriors according to their rank and deserts in conformity with this idea the plunder of the boston was all deposited in maquina's house who distributed part of it among his chiefs according to their respective ranks or degree of favor with him giving to one three hundred muskets to another one hundred and fifty with other things in like proportion the king is however obliged to support his dignity by making frequent entertainments and whenever he receives a large supply of provision he must invite all the men of his tribe to his house to eat it up otherwise as Maquina told me he would not be considered as conducting like a thai and would be no more thought of than a common man with regard to their religion they believe in the existence of a supreme being whom they call quahuts and who to use Maquina's expression was one great thai in the sky who gave them their fish and could take them from them and was the greatest of all kings their usual place of worship appeared to be the water for whenever they bathed they addressed some words in form of prayer to the god above entreating that he would preserve them in health give them good success in fishing etc these prayers were repeated with much more energy on preparing for whaling or for war as i have already mentioned some of them would sometimes go several miles to bathe in order to do it in secret the reason for this i could never learn though i am induced to think it was in consequence of some family or private quarrel and that they did not wish what they said to be heard while at other times they would repair in the same secret manner to the woods to pray this was more particularly the case with the women who might also have been prompted by a sentiment of decency to retire for the purpose of bathing as they are remarkably modest i once found one of our women more than two miles from the village on her knees in the woods with her eyes shut and her face turned towards heaven uttering words in a lamentable tone among which i distinctly heard Wokosh, ah wealth meaning good lord and which has nearly the same signification with quahoots though i came very near her she appeared not to notice me but continued her devotions and i have frequently seen the women go alone into the woods evidently for the purpose of addressing themselves to a superior being and it was always very perceptible on their return when they had been thus employed from their silence and melancholy looks they have no belief however in a state of future existence as i discovered in conversation with maquina at tatusha's death on my attempting to convince him that he still existed and that he would again see him after his death but he could comprehend nothing of it and pointing to the ground said that there was the end of him and that he was like that nor do they believe in ghosts notwithstanding the case of tatouche would appear to contradict this assertion but that was a remarkable instance and such a one as had never been known to occur before yet from the mummeries performed over the sick it is very apparent that they believe in the agency of spirits as they attribute disease to some evil one that has entered the body of the patient neither have they any priests unless a kind of conjurer may be so considered who sings and prays over the sick to drive away the evil spirit on the birth of twins they have a most singular custom which i presume has its origin in some religious opinion but what it is i could never satisfactorily learn the father is prohibited for the space of two years from eating any kind of meat or fresh fish during which time he does no kind of labor whatever being supplied with what he has occasion for from the tribe in the meantime he and his wife who is also obliged to conform to the same abstinence with their children live entirely separate from the others a small hut being built for their accommodation and he is never invited to any of their feasts except such as consist wholly of dried provision where he is treated with great respect and seated among the chiefs though no more himself than a private individual such births are very rare among them an instance of the kind however occurred while i was at Tassis the last time but it was the only one known since the reign of the former king the father always appeared very thoughtful and gloomy never associated with the other inhabitants and was at none of the feasts but such as were entirely of dried provision and of this he eat not to excess and constantly retired before the amusements commenced his dress was very plain and he wore round his head the red fillet of bark the symbol of mourning and devotion it was his daily practice to repair to the mountain with a chief's rattle in his hand to sing and pray as maquina informed me for the fish to come into the waters when not thus employed he kept continually at home except when sent for to sing and perform his ceremonies over the sick being considered as a sacred character and one much in favour with their gods these people are remarkably healthful and live to a very advanced age having quite a youthful appearance for their years they have scarcely any disease but the colic the remedy for which is friction a person rubbing the bowels of the sick violently until the pain has subsided while the conjurer or holy man is employed in the meantime in making his gestures singing and repeating certain words and blowing off the evil spirit when the patient is wrapped up in a bearskin in order to produce perspiration their care for the rheumatism or similar pains which i saw applied by maquina in the case of thompson to whom it gave relief is by cutting or scarifying the part affected in dressing wounds they simply wash them with salt water and bind them up with a strip of cloth or the bark of a tree they are however very expert and successful in the cure of fractured or dislocated limbs reducing them very dexterously and after binding them up with bark supporting them with blocks of wood so as to preserve their position during the whole time i was among them but five natural deaths occurred to touche and his two infant children an infant son of maquina and the slave whom i have mentioned a circumstance not a little remarkable in a population of about fifteen hundred and as respects childbirth so light do they make of it that i have seen their women the day after employed as usual as if little or nothing had happened the nootkians in their conduct towards each other are in general pacific and inoffensive and appear by no means an ill-tempered race for i do not recollect any instance of a violent quarrel between any of the men or the men and their wives while i was with them that of yelth lower excepted. but when they are in the least offended they appear to be in the most violent rage acting like so many maniacs foaming at the mouth kicking and spitting most furiously but this is rather a fashion with them than a demonstration of malignity as in their public speeches they use the same violence and he is esteemed the greatest orator who bawls the loudest stamps tosses himself about foams and spits the most in speaking of their regulations i have omitted mentioning that on attaining the age of seventeen the eldest son of a chief is considered as a chief himself and that whenever the father makes a present it is always done in the name of his eldest son or if he has none in that of his daughter the chiefs frequently purchase their wives at the age of eight or ten to prevent their being engaged by others though they do not take them from their parents until they are sixteen with regard to climate the greater part of the spring summer and autumn is very pleasant the weather being at no time oppressively hot and the winters uncommonly mild for so high a latitude at least as far as my experience went at Tassis and kupti where we passed the coldest part of the season the winter did not set in till late in december nor have i ever known the ice even on the fresh-water ponds more than two or three inches in thickness, or a snow exceeding four inches in depth. But what is wanting in snow is amply made up in rain, as I have frequently known it during the winter months, rain almost incessantly for five or six days in succession. End of section fifteen